I don't like musicals. I'm not a fan of musicals. I've never understood musicals. I don't, I don't get the appeal of musicals. It, they just, nobody, it never happens. Nobody in the middle of a day, in the middle of something happening, nobody ever breaks out into song. They're just, they seem so phony. I guess that's why I prefer science fiction and superhero movies instead. They seem a little more lifelike. But I made the mistake several years ago of, of telling a friend of mine that I'd never seen The Sound of Music, and she just lost her mind. How can you have never seen The Sound of Music? She went on and on, and, and every time we talk, have you guys watched Sound of Music yet? No, we haven't. Have you guys watched it yet? No, we haven't. Well, this was many, many years ago when Megan was little, and if you remember back then, back then we had to watch movies on video cassettes. And they, didn't, they weren't always out there. You had, to, you had to wait for them to come out. It was amazing. Well, Disney re-released The Sound of Music, and I bought the video cassette. And Megan, she was maybe five years old at this time. She was really small. And if you know Megan, Megan's life is a musical. I, mean, I really think that she lives in some kind of musical world. So as a little girl, we watched Sound of Music together, and she loved it. And we watched it every day multiple times a day i heard it over and over again we learned every song we climbed every mountain we forded every, you know it just got to that point where we understood we, we knew the whole song the whole show now as an watching it for the first time and being a little older i, I felt like i was less taken with the wonder of it all and instead I viewed it with more of an analytical mind. And I noticed something, and I don't know that... Maybe you didn't notice this if you saw it for the first time when you were younger. But the first half of the movie, the first half of the musical, is all about the Von Trapp family and the kids falling in love with Maria and Maria and the father falling in love together. And it's all about this togetherness and, and the, them getting to know each other. And several of the songs that are used in the first half, just as you saw in that montage... The songs that are used in the first half are used to bond the family together, to make them into, into a family, to make them into one unit. And you see them building their relationships around those, those fun little songs. But those same songs are used in the second half. The second half of the musical, the second half of the movie, is all about them escaping from the Nazis. And the same songs are used in the second half, not out of fun, but out of desperation those songs become part of their plan to escape and find their way to freedom. Those same songs are used that second time, but in a different way. And you know, I think that's how life works. I think you learn a song like, It is well with my soul. When you come to church, you learn that song and you hear that song over and over again. And then one day something happens that is very not well with your soul. And that song comes back to you and it makes an impact on you and suddenly it has become something very important to you. We've looked at the Psalms over the summer. And as we've looked at the Psalms, we've looked at the music that makes up our lives. And I've asked you some questions. I've asked you some very personal questions about your favorite songs. Songs that you listen to when you're celebrating, when you're having a great time. Songs that you listen to that you listen to when you're going through a rough time. Songs that motivate you. Songs that define you. And you have done a wonderful job of answering those questions in my emails and, and providing me with a, a long list of songs. And your responses have been varied. 
I mean, some of you, when I ask about songs that impact you a lot, you mention old hymns. You mention songs that you've sung in church. Some of you mention new songs that are being sung on WBGL and that you hear in Christian music. But some of you talk about country music because that's a part of who you are. Some of you talk about rock and roll. And there's even one or two of you who bring out heavy metal every now and then and talk about how heavy metal is important to you. Some of you even mention rap. But what I notice is it's, it's not so much about the song, the style of music. It's more about that moment that you heard that song and that moment when you needed that song. Those songs may have been introduced to you in some very fun and, and joyous moments, but they prepared you for difficult times that you didn't even know were coming. And I think that's where we have to begin when we come to Psalm 139. That's the psalm we're looking at today. Psalm 139, if you're using the Bible there in front of you, it's, it's on page 521. We have looked over the summer, we've looked at a lot of different styles of psalms and styles of music. Some psalms are hymns. Hymns are songs that speak of the goodness of God and they declare the attributes of God. Some psalms are praise that tell the wonderful things that God has done. We talked about a style of psalms called the imprecatory psalms. And those are psalms that come out of anger and they express the bitterness and the hurt that's going on in our lives. Other songs are laments. And those are songs that express the sadness and sorrow that we're going through. Psalm 139 defies all those definitions. Because Psalm 139 is a hodgepodge of many styles. And I think in many ways, Psalm 139 perfectly reflects what life is all about. Because life is not always about joy. Life is not always about happiness. Life has its moments of joy, but then its moments of sorrow. It has its moments of anger and moments of contemplation. And all of that and more is expressed here in Psalm 139. You'll notice at the beginning, this is a Psalm of David. And when we think of King David, we think of him, we always say David was a man after God's own heart, right? Some of you are mouthing the words, that's fine. David was a man after God's own heart. But we also know that David was a troubled man. David was a man who knew sin. He knew difficulty in his life. David knew tragedy. He knew loss. What we have to see in this psalm, if we're going to understand the psalm and understand ourselves, is that all of those things make up life. And, and, and what we have to see in this psalm is this, the intensity of the personal relationship between David and God and that same intensity can exist between, uh, in the relationship between us and God. No matter where we find ourselves or what we're going through, God knows us. And that's, that's really where, where we have to begin. That's the message right from the beginning. God knows you. Look at the first four verses. God knows you. Verse 1 says, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. And when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. There's a lot of comfort in these words. The language here is, is very personal. It's not just that we can say, well, God knows everything and God knows everyone. 
It's not just that we could say, well, God is aware of a, of a little town in central Illinois called Kansas, or that God is aware of the existence of Kansas Christian Church. What we have to say is that God knows you. God knows me. God knows every one of us. You have captivated the attention of the Creator of the universe. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And all those times that, that you felt unimportant, or you felt unnoticed, God noticed you. Think the part that could frighten us though. The part that might frighten us is verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it all together. That seems a little scary. This morning I was getting ready for church. I was getting dressed. I walked in my closet and I picked out my socks. And I turned around, and as I turned around with no socks on yet, I banged my little toe into the leg of a table that sits next to my closet. And do you know what I said in that moment? I said, before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. It's not actually what I said. <laughs> but that's what I thought about. I thought, before I bang my toe against that, God knew that I was going to bang my toe. And God knew what wanted to come out of my mouth in that very moment. He knew what I was thinking. That seems kind of scary because you got to admit it. There's times when you don't know what the next word out of your mouth is going to be. There's times when you would give anything if you could just suck them back in and pretend that didn't happen, pretend I didn't say that. You, you didn't hear that, did you? And yet, before a word is on your tongue, even that word. Before a word is on your tongue, even that one word. God knows it all together. And on top of that, He still wants to know you. He still wants to be in your life. David wrote this psalm. And David was a shepherd before he was a king. And you hear his perspective as a shepherd here in verse 5. He says, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. How many times did David as a shepherd have to protect his sheep? By hemming them in before and behind. Sometimes he had to put himself in front of a sheep and protect them from a danger that they couldn't see was ahead of them. Sometimes David had to block the way for the sheep to, and, and push them from behind to get them to go the right direction. And sometimes David had to lay a hand on a sheep, grab it by the scruff of the neck. I think sheep have scruffs. And pick it up and move it somewhere else. And that sheep never understood what David was doing. He didn't know what, what David was protecting, but David knew the danger. David was aware of what it was. And in the same way, he says, God, there are times when you hem us in. There's times when you stand before us and you don't let us go the way we want to go. There's other times you stand behind us and you push us. There's other times, God, you don't stand in front of us and we go where we want to go. And we don't understand that either. There's times he grabs you by the scruff of the neck and just moves you and you don't know what dangers are there. But what David says is it is enough that I know that God is there. He says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. <laughs> It is high and I cannot attain it. Sometimes we need to say that. Sometimes it's okay for us to say, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't have answers. I don't understand the pain that we're going through. I don't understand the things that I want that I am prevented from having, but it's enough that God knows me and God knows 
the situation. And that in itself is a, is a wonderful thing to know. But you know, it goes beyond that. The message of this psalm isn't just that God knows you, but that God is with you. He goes on in verse 7. David says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, well, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, well, surely the darkness shall cover me and light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. I don't think David's trying to play hide and seek with God here. I don't think he's trying to say, I don't think David's saying, how can I get away from him? How can I go out and do what I want to do? How can I get away from God and make sure that he doesn't see me making these choices and doing these things? I think he's realizing that nothing can happen to him that is so terrible that it would drive God away from him. Nothing can happen in, in his life that is so, so dark or terrible that it could drive God away from him. He says, if I make my bed in Sheol, that's a, that's a Hebrew word, and, and we use that as the word for the underworld, or sometimes it's the word that's just used for the grave. Sometimes we interpret it as hell. But I want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying, I can't go to a place that is so low that God can't find me. Verse 9, he says, I can't wander so far away from you or even run so far away from you that you aren't with me. There can never be a place in my life that is so dark that God is not there, that God is not my light. Now that's a lesson that you don't learn in the dark times. That's a lesson you have to learn in the light. That's a lesson you have to learn on the, on the good days and then that lesson is with you in the bad times. Like the Von Trapp kids at the beginning of the, of the musical singing that little song while the, their parents are having a party at the house. And they, they sing that little song, Long Farewell, Alvita saying Goodbye. They sing that to entertain the guests. But at the end of the musical, it's that song that they use to enable them to escape from the Nazis. That's their cover as they make their way off stage and make their way out of the country. That's why it's important to be here. That's why it's important to be a part of a church family. That's why it's important to, to be singing these songs and, and hearing these words in the good times so when the dark times come, you learn the lessons that, that you learned in the light. That's what Paul is saying when Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 in verses 35-39, through 39, Paul says, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, he says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But then he says, no, in, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul was able to say that because he prepared himself for the difficult times. You know, there are, there are people in your life, there are people in your life who are going to be facing challenges. And they're not ready for them. 
They, they've got challenges coming their way. Challenges with their families, challenges with their health, challenges with the economy. There's challenges coming and they're not prepared for those challenges. They don't know the sureness of God's presence or the truth of His promises. And when the dark times come, and they will come, they don't know where they're going to turn. They don't know where, what they're going to trust. They don't have a church, but you know what they do have? They, they have you. They don't have a preacher, but they've, they've got you. And you need to think every now and then, could it be that God put you in the lives of your friends to guide them through those dark times? And could it be that God took you through some very dark places so that you could help others I know he has and that's what David communicates in his psalm here he shows us that God has a purpose for you I think that's a message that's been lost on a lot of people God has a purpose for you we've been telling people for over a generation now that life is just a random accident we've been telling them that Atoms came together and there was this primordial soup and lightning struck and somehow little things started moving and, and they, they became life and, and, and it all just was a matter of chance. It all just, just got lucky. We've told them that they're the product of, of millions of years of, of evolution on a planet that's at just the right distance and somehow it's at just the right condition and, and the weather is just right and, and everything is just perfect. And, and we've told kids, we've told children, we've told children that, that they're just like animals. And we've told them that they're unwanted. We've told children that they were accidents. And then we get surprised when they act like animals and act like they're unwanted. And they act like they're accidents. But out of faith, David declares in verse 13, he says to God, you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that phrase there, it's not just a matter that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's saying I am fearfully and wonderfully called. I am fearfully and wonderfully set apart by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully given a purpose in this world. He goes on in verse 14 and he says, Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as of yet there was none of them. Days formed for you. There have been days formed for you. You are not an accident. And it's no accident that you live here. It's no accident that you have the friends that you have here. It's no accident that you are here today. God formed you for this day, for this place, for these times. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Next Sunday is our, is our celebration. Back in January, I announced the first Sunday in January that we would be doing a celebration on August 27th. We put it on the calendar back in January. The building would be paid off and we needed to celebrate and we needed to invite people. 
But long before it was on our calendars, God ordained that day. God chose that day. And He chose you. He chose you to be here. He chose you to be present. He chose you to invite others. He chose the people that you're going to invite to go through the things that they're going through right now so they could be here next Sunday. And so when you come to that moment when you're trying to invite your friend to church and you're like, what if I screw it up? What if I say the wrong things? What, you know, and you're feeling very apprehensive and kind of shy. Just remember that God chose you for that day. He chose your friend for that moment. What an amazing realization it is that He knows you. He is with you and He chose you. David says in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, I am still with you. Can you even imagine the thoughts of God? Can you have any understanding of the concepts that He not only knows, but concepts that He created? Could you begin to grasp the intricate details of the universe that He knows by heart? He lay all that aside just for the moment and realized this, the One who has knowledge of the workings of the universe also knows you. He knows you. The One who can see everything has His attention on you. So what are you afraid of? What is it that holds you back? What is it that makes you feel small or insignificant? God's will for you is greater than any fear that you have. Now, it's easy, it's easy to hear a passage like this and think, well, that's all well and good, but you don't know what I'm dealing with today. <laughs> you don't understand the, the problems that I'm facing right now. What about the pain that I'm in the middle of right now? What about the, the struggles that I have right now? What do I do when, when everything around me is falling apart and I am just sick and tired of it all? What if I don't want to be chosen today? <laughs> what if I want to do something else today? You know, verses 19 through 22, David takes a, pray, takes a break from this psalm of praise. There's been a lot of praise and there's been a lot of gratitude to God. And in, in verse 19, he just spills it. He spills what he's really feeling to God. And he says there in verse 19, Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Uh, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. The reality is, it is one thing to understand that God knows you, that God is with you, that God has called you, but there are moments in life when it just is hard and life stinks. What do you do with those moments? You give those moments to God too. You give those days to Him also. You know, you read verse 22. I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. But you have to read verse 22 in light of verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it altogether. Before David penned 
verse 22 and wrote the word hate, he wrote that God knows every word on his tongue. While David was writing the words to verse 4, God already knew what he would be expressing in verse 22. God knew David's frustration before David knew it. God knows your frustration better than you know it. And you could let your frustration drive you far away from God, but you can't escape Him. (laughs) He's going to be right there with you. So why not give it to Him? Why not let Him amaze you with what He can do with your frustration? And then David says in verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David says there are two ways before us. There's two ways that we can go. There is a grievous way. And that grievous way will lead us to heartache, frustration, confusion, and hurt. But there is also a way everlasting where you know that you're in God's care, where you know that you have His attention. What way will you choose to go today? What way will you choose for yourself? But what way will you also choose for someone close to you? Someone you care about? How has God called you to this day for someone who desperately needs to know Him? Let's stand together and pray. Father, You have searched us and known us. You know when we sit down You know that we just rose up. (laughs) You discern our thoughts from afar. And while there's so much that we will never understand about you or our universe or our own lives and experiences, it is overwhelming just to simply know that you know us and, and you love us. So in those moments when you seem so far away, remind us that you are near. And in those times when life crumbles and we don't know where to turn, remind us that we can always turn to you. And we want to pray for those who are in our lives that don't know you yet, but you know them, Lord. Help us to communicate your nearness and your love through the way that we stay near to them, through the way that we love them. We thank you for always being there for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.